Morning, everybody. It's great to, to see you all here. The, uh, I, I'm going to speak on a passage from, um, we're going through the book of Acts at the minute, and I'm going to speak from a passage in, uh, in Acts chapter 12. And to be honest, I've been trying to not do this passage. <laughs> I, I, went, um, I went forwards because I thought we were going to be in, when we, when we arrange these things, we sort of have a sort of rough area that we think we're going to, going to preach on. Um, so I went forward and, uh, to chapter 13, and then I discovered, which is really good, great p- passage, and then I discovered that Matt was going to speak on that. So I did loads of preparation for that and then didn't. Then I, went, then I thought, oh, I'll go back. And um, I hadn't been here for a couple of weeks, and I realised that in chapter 11, David spoken about that bit. So I thought, I'd better not repeat that. There's no harm in repetition. I mean, you know, the, the, the conversion of Cornelius is repeated three times in um, in, in Acts, and um, so that's not, you know, and Paul recounted his, his conversion about three times, so repetition is not bad, I just thought I'd give you a, give you a break, so I'm trying to avoid this bit, because this bit that I'm talking about, um, it talks about um, prison, <laughs> and it talks about um, angels, and it talks about um, miraculous, supernatural things happening, and I'm going, well, I've Unfortunately, I've not been in prison. I say I've not done anything wrong, but you know I've not been caught. And uh, and and the, you know, and I don't get many angels come and sort of you know set me free at night. Okay, so this is a bit sort of outside my experience. And I always quite like to you know do things I can sort of relate to. But um, as it was, I everyone else chose loads of other passages, so I was I was stuck with with this one. Um, but actually, it is a fantastic passage, and um, there are there are three themes in in Acts. There, there are other, other themes, but um, one of those things themes is prayer. The uh, the disciples, you know, it's always Luke's always recording that the disciples prayed, and um, the other one is the supernatural. And there are supernatural things happening throughout Acts. And if we sort of can't live with that, then we've got a problem. <laughs> because there's supernatural things happening all the time that are recorded here. And, uh, and thirdly, there's the theme of resurrection. And we've been singing about that this morning, haven't we? Jesus' resurrection and ours. Because through his resurrection, through his ascension, he's taken our humanity and lifted us up as you know, human beings, because he was one, to be, like, to be like him. And it says he seated us in heavenly places with him. So the theme of resurrection. So those are the, and this passage has, has elements of all of those in it. So, so those are the three things. That's, that's sort of where we're going um, in order to, uh, to just unpack this passage. I'd better tell you which passage it is, isn't I? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's Acts chapter 12. Um, which Felix spoke about the start, the start of last week and talked about disappointment. And uh, again, I wasn't here, but um, I think there were some, some great things happening in people's lives. But we're going to look at um, uh, the rest of chapter, not the rest of chapter 12, but, um, but we're going to look from about verse 5 through to verse, uh, verse 19. We'll see how long, I'll, I'll read it out and we'll see how far we get before you start, you know, Sort of not listening, okay? So um, we could go to the whole book of Acts, couldn't we? Just keep going. So we're going to start, and I think these are on the slides, Adam, yeah? 
Um, so the background is um, that Herod, King Herod Agrippa, has thought it's a great idea, because the people were, loved it, to, um, to kill one of the disciples, which was um, uh, James, the brother of John. And, and he then, because that was popular, he put, um, he put Peter in prison and uh, locked him up. And because it was Passover time, they don't like doing trials and executions during Passover time. But, um, but that, was the, that was the tradition. And so they, he was in prison. So Peter was, so we got Peter in prison. Um, and it says, so Peter, verse 5, that's where we start. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, and, and probably sort of execute him as well, um, Peter was sleeping sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chairs, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak, cloak round you and follow me. The angel told him, Sorry, follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And it opened for them by itself. And they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, whose many, where, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the door, uh, knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the, the door. When she recognised Peter's voice... She was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers, as you'd imagine, as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. He was obviously in the mood to execute somebody, so the soldiers, soldiers copped it. But um, that's an amazing, amazing story. And, and while we've... Um, for those of you who've, who, this week, um, there was a, an article, in, and it was in the papers as well, but there was a prisoner in, um, in Pakistan um, called um, Asia Bibi, who um, had been accused of blasphemy in Pakistan t uh, in 2010, and was on death row, but was released this week because the people there had prayed. And while that was a miraculous, that is miraculous, yeah, that she was um, released by the courts in um, in Pakistan. Um, that this is a sort of 
this one here that we read about, about Peter, is an even more amazing, amazing miracle um, that, that, is, that is recorded. And it's where, you know, God um, took, took the initiative. God decided to intervene, to do something here, and do something that was incredibly uh, practical. But the church was, um, was praying earnestly. And I just want to quickly sort of, Adrian a few weeks ago spoke about prayer. And that word where it says earnestly is the same word that's used of, um, of, of Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was praying you know, earnestly, and it says more earnestly, actually, even, even more than that. It means stretched out. That's what the, the two bits in the, in the Greek mean. It means stretched out. And I just want to say, how, how, how do we pray? You know, do we pray with that passion? Do, and they prayed over quite a period. They prayed for the whole week for him. Um, but they were praying with, with great sort of passion and great urgency that Peter would be released from prison. And that was their response. And you see this contrast of, of the, the, the authorities in, in the shape of Herod and his soldiers um, having a sword. And you see the contrast with the, the church, which their only weapon was prayer. Their only weapon was, was to, to say to, to, the, to God, you are our only hope here. So you have that contrast of the sword and the, pr- and the prayer. And where the church at prayer is an incredibly powerful weapon. And I should say this whole passage starts, in chapter 12, starts with Herod in charge, Peter in prison, the church in disarray. It finishes with Herod dead, Peter released and preaching the gospel, you know, and, and the, the church going forward. And the last verses are, the church continued to grow. So I just want to say, through this, through this whole chapter, there's a huge turnaround in fortunes, and it's because the people prayed. And I would say that's, you know, we, we need to grip hold of that, that concept of prayer. And part of the reason we don't pray is if we don't believe in the supernatural, <laughs> then there's no point praying. And quite often, you know, our, our motivations to prayer aren't aren't you know, aren't right. We, we need to get our, our heads thinking right so that we see prayer as a powerful weapon. Isn't that kid's song, you know, our prayer is a powerful weapon? I won't sing it. I can't remember it. But, but you know, we just need to get this, guys. It's like God is good. Let, let's, let's, we don't just get it in our heads. We get it into our hearts and we get it into our lives and we get it into our, our beings that this stuff Works and what chapter twelve if Avak shows us is that they prayed and the and the whole situation is reversed. Okay. The thing about prayer is it's about cooperation with God, isn't it? It's about us hearing what he's what his plan is for for this particular situation or our particular situation, and it also shows it's not just about us. Quite often we're focused, aren't we, on our own, our own sort of issues in, in life. But prayer takes us away from that. It focuses us on God. And it focuses m- more often on other people. So, so it's really, really important. But as I said, if we don't, if we don't believe in the supernatural, then prayer becomes a bit redundant. Because we don't assume that God will act, do we? And God can act. 
because God is God, or the God we worship is God. And when I talk about the supernatural, I'm not talking about the Halloween thing, all right? It's, it's a good week to start talking about, about the supernatural and about God working in this way. But it's not the, the Halloween. And, and I, you know, people have different, um, uh, different perceptions. When I, so when I start to talk about the supernatural, I'm talking about a God who acts in a supernatural way. And... Um, And I just want to sort of quote something from, uh, from a guy called C.S. Lewis, who um, wrote about 50 years ago, and, or more than that, actually. Um, and he said, There is no question in Christianity of arbitrary interferences just scattered about. It relates not to a series of disconnected raids on nature, but the various steps of a strategically coherent invasion, an invasion which intends complete conquest and occupation. So the whole point about the supernatural is that it's about God um, being God and, and uh, creating the, the sort of um, universe that he wants. Because when we talk about it, we're not about creating, um, it's not just about our salvation and about going to heaven. This is a whole plan to break out throughout the whole creation and to restore the whole creation um, it says in, in Ephesians 1, verse 20, um, Adam, which is there, it says, So the God we worship raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Have you ever looked up everything in the dictionary? Do you know what it means? It means everything. Yeah? And it says, you know, that, which is the body of fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That's the plan. That's the plan. And so, sort of, if we if we limit that supernatural power, we're really limiting um, what um, what what God can do. But so we see Peter, don't we, in chains? We see an angel um, coming to him, and and taking these chains off of him. Now, I don't know if you've ever taken chains off anyone, all right? But it's. It, they're, it's pretty noisy, isn't it? Yeah. If I if I took these off me and dropped them, dropped them, I'm, if I defy anyone to do that quietly. Yeah. So this isn't some sort of like um, spiritual thing that happened to him. These, these chains really fell off. The chains really um, landed on the ground. The chains would have woken up any other normal person. <laughs> yeah. If God hadn't intervened. So this is not a um, and I should say, even if it's not an angel who awakes him, it's pretty miraculous that he managed to walk out of prison without anyone noticing him. All right? He's surrounded by, he's chained to two guards. He's, surrounded, he's got two guards at the gate waiting for him to come out. And yet he can walk out and he can walk through that gate and go out into the street. Yeah? These are, and the trouble is, that I, I say, no. Yeah? I, I say, no, that can't happen. Am I alone in that? 
Yeah? Because I'm, 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 I'm skeptical and I'm, I'm sort of incredulous that something like that could happen because I'm rooted in, in the here and now. I'm rooted in things that can be scientifically proven. I'm rooted in a worldview that says this stuff doesn't happen. And if, I, if I'm rooted in that worldview, in that view of how things are, then I'm missing out. I'm missing out on everything that God can do in my life and in other people's lives. And, you know, I find my, my first reaction on reading this, the reason I didn't want to speak about this, was that I go, that's really challenging. That challenges my way of thinking. That challenges my whole way of, lo- of life and of perceiving the environment around us. And what I'm about today is about changing your perception of the world you are in. And changing your perception of what is possible and what can be done. Because the disciples were praying that God would do what was impossible. And throughout our, us, throughout, around us, we need to be praying that God will do what is impossible. But if we don't believe he can do what's impossible, then you know, that, all bets are off, aren't they? And so, so I think it's incredulous. I'm, I'm incredulous at it. And I don't think I'm alone because... I think the people in this story were equally at a point where they couldn't quite believe that it would happen. They can't quite believe that God could make a heck of a rack, racket taking somebody out of prison and, and taking them to a street and taking them back to where, to where they would. He, couldn't, he can't do an escape. God can't do an escape. But we need to change that, that view God can, can help us escape. We've been singing about it all morning, that God can help us escape. See, Herod didn't believe it because he posted guards, didn't he? And what's the point of posting guards if God can just set people free? He posted guards. He killed the guards. He thought it was their fault that, 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 that um, Peter had been, had been released. So he obviously didn't get it. I don't think Peter got it either, because he didn't know what was happening. He thought he was dreaming. He thought it was some sort of like spiritual experience that he was having. And he was, he was um, you know, it wasn't until he got out into the street and actually it dawned on him that this might actually be happening. But his initial reaction was, it's a dream. It's just something spiritual and, you know, ephemeral that happens, happens to people. Yeah, um, obviously I've been asleep. I'm dreaming. You know, it just he just tried to explain it, and he couldn't. And the disciples, we've got this hilarious episode where they're praying for his release. He turns up, and they go, "Boy, it can't be. It can't be. It's just impossible." So the disciples are praying, you know, with incredulously that the impossible. They're praying for the impossible. So when the impossible happens, they don't quite get it. It's, it's, it's bizarre, it's hilarious. But aren't we a bit like that? I am, yeah? Do I expect the impossible to happen? Do I expect God to, I don't know, 
you know, do whatever our hearts want us to do in this area? Do, do I expect God to, to create you know, his church and his, his creation in this area? Do I expect him to set me free? Do I expect him to set other people free? And, and the one person who did believe in this, you know, was, was Luke, who wrote, this, who wrote the book of Acts, and he wrote the book of Luke. Because throughout the book of Luke and the book of Acts, he recorded angels, he recorded Holy Spirit working, he, he recorded supernatural stuff happening all over the place. And he was a reputable historian. People today would say that Luke is a historian of the first order. And a bit later in, this, in chapter 12, he talks about Herod being killed. That's the same account, pretty well, as historians of the time would have, would have spoken about how Herod died. So he's a reputable historian, and he's talking about angels and stuff happening that God is doing. And so he was the only one who sort of got it amongst all, the, all these people. Now, that's not an excuse. I'm not, I'm not using that as an excuse but the problem is our worldview. And what God was doing with Peter, with the disciples at this time, was changing their worldview. Changing what was possible and what they perceived to be the norm. And um, again, I just want to quote something from, from C.S. Lewis. Because he, he wrote a book about miracles. I, I would recommend you read it, but you, I don't understand half of it. Because right? he's quite, quite bright. But I just want to... To, to read this passage out to you because it describes some of the ways that we look at things and some of the ways we should look at things. He talks about, um, I think it's up there, Adam, I think. It's the, he talks about the, the pantheists, i.e. that's people who believe in lots of gods. So I would say to you, what's your God like? What's your God like? Because what your God is like determines how you're going to behave. And it says, the pantheist, God, does nothing, demands nothing. He is there, if you wish, for him, um, like a book on a shelf. All right, this is Halloween, yeah? It's like a book on a shelf, you know, there's, there's, just, there's something out there. Um, he will not pursue you. And that great song we sang, yeah? He, he pursues us. He leaves the 99. He pursues you. He is pursuing you today. Do you, do you get that? He is pursuing you today. There is no danger that at any time heaven and earth should flee away at the glance. Yeah? So the gods that, you know, other gods, there's no danger that heaven and earth will flee away at his glance. Whereas the God we worship is a God where heaven and earth can flee away at his glance just, just by him looking. This is the point at which so many draw back and proceed no further with Christianity. You might be in that place. An impersonal God, all well and good. A subjective God of beauty, truth, and goodness inside our own heads, better still. A formless life force surging through us. A vast power we can tap, best of all. But God himself, alive, the hunter pursuing you, the king and the husband. That is quite another matter. Because the God we worship is the creator of the universe. Yeah? He created... He, he, Created this universe in, in a, just by a word. That's the foundation. 
And surely, surely, he can do what he wants. And we can tap into that. We can tap into that, to that source of life. He is a source of life in himself. As, um, so unless we accept that God in action through miracles, through the supernatural, is there, then, we're, then we're, we're missing out, aren't we? We're missing out on what he might do for you and for other people. And finally, it's all, this passage is all about a resurrection. It's all about coming alive and being set free. See, Peter was sort of metaphorically dead. He was in prison. He was jailed. He had... Um, he... he, he he had both his hands bound and, you know, in chains. And both his hands bound mean he, he could do nothing. So he was metaphorically dead. But what happened was he came alive. And what happened was real. What happened wasn't some sort of dream as he thought. It was real that he came alive and that God brought him alive and brought him, in effect, back to life. And I just want to look at that, is what that, what that means for, being, for, for us being set free. How can, we, how can God set us free? The first thing is that, and we sang about it earlier on, we can't do anything to set ourselves free. Peter had, with the chains, oh, he had them bound, and he was, he was tied, both hands, to a... Uh, to a to a soldier, he, so he couldn't even move to to release himself, and that's that's the case with us. That's the case with with me. Um, that's the case with uh, with all of us actually. That we can't do anything to set ourselves free, to be free from what it is. And whether it's drugs, whether it's abuse, whether it's just life, whether it's just. Um, uh, you know things that have happened to us, things that we've done. We can't do anything to get free, and we rely totally on God to do it. It says in in Romans, doesn't it? Romans five six to eight. I'll keep these on. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Well, we were still powerless. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he took the initiative. He, he did it. He, he took, um, he, he took the, the chains off. The, and, it, and it was something that happened. Something that happened in the, in the physical. And the first thing was that he was prodded awake. And I just, the, the angel prodded him and woke him up. And something provoked him. If I look at my, at my experience of becoming a Christian, I became a Christian when I was about 22, 20, 23, something like that. Um, I'd left university, and, and I thought, goodness me, every, all those sort of things that had supported me were, were collapsing. All the relationships, all the... Um, I had to go to work and things like that. Goodness me, that's terrifying. But... but um, it, and, and I thought there must be more. There must be more than this. 
And I, you know, and I, I explored and, you know, in a way pursued Christianity. And I just would say, if you, you should rejoice at the things that provoke you to come to church. You should rejoice at those reasons why you turn to God. Because those are provoking you. They're like that angel prodded him in the side and said, wake up. And I think there are, there are people here today where God is prodding you in the side for something that's happened to you. There's something out there. And he's saying to you, wake up. And his provocations are your signal to seek him. To start to say, there might be something here. There might be something here. I, I rang somebody and said, I, I just need to go to church. Yeah? Tell me about it. I didn't even have a clue what, what they did in church. And, and the one they sent me to, I'm like, they sort of said, we'll go to this one because they were a long way away. And so I, so I started going. But that something provoked me. Yeah? It was like that angel prodded me and said, do something. And I know there's people here this today who people, God has prodded you because of something that's happened. Something that humanly is, a, is really painful. But God says, do, you know, I'm prodding you and don't, don't. <laughs> you know, just keep pursuing me. Just keep going at it. And we see the light. There was a great light came around Peter. And that was my experience as well. I saw a, it was like light. It was like, so, as soon as I started reading the Bible, for example, and, and coming near him, it was like my whole view on the world changed. I can't describe it, but my whole view on, on how I looked at things changes. It was amazingly light. It was like light, we talk about light out of darkness, and that is my experience, that my worldview changed around. My, the way I looked at things totally changed. The way I look at things now is totally different to what it was, you know, 40 years ago or whatever. Okay? And, and it's like light. So this is a picture of, of, what, of what's happening. When I, when I read this, I thought, God, that's me. Yeah? That's me. So I'm just sharing it with you, you know? You can make your own sort of stories out of this. The, the second thing was, that the other thing that happened was, the chains fell off, right? Not in any spiritual sense those chains fell off. Those chains fell off. Those chains went. The chains just went. And I, I know there were things, I mean, things that, that used to bind me, you know, like swearing and things like that, yeah? I used to drink loads, not, not alcoholic, but those things just fell off. Those things just went, <laughs> yeah? And I just want to say to you, some of you have had those things go and you're still trying to sort of reach back to them, but just leave them. The chains fell off. The chains fell off with a clank, with a noise, with a sound, and that was real, yeah? It's not in your dreams. We talk about that in your dreams. This wasn't in your dreams. This is real. And the angel said to him, get your clothes on. You know like all the, all the movies when, you know, Bruce Willis or something is in, is in action, he, he goes out in bare feet and just a vest on, doesn't he? You know? But the, the angel said to him, just get dressed. Just put these clothes on. You know, it's cold out. Just put these clothes on. Put those shoes on your feet. That's what he said to him. You know, there's no rush here, guys. Just, you know, 
we're, we're, gonna, we're fine here. But just put your clothes on. And what we're, you know, in the Bible it talks about us being clothed with a robe of righteousness. It, you know, our feet shod with the, with the good news. And I just want to say, we need to put those clothes on. It might take a while to get changed. But put those different clothes on. Put that robe on. And it's a royal robe, isn't it? It's a robe that you'd put on a king. It's a, you know, you're clothed in robes of righteousness. You take on his righteousness. That doesn't mean everything you do is good. It doesn't mean everything you do is righteous. But you're clothed in that, in that robe of righteousness. In that, in that, you know, he's clothing you. Just as he clothed Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were, were naked. And he clothed them. He's, he just wants you to take on those clothes. Take on his clothes. Take on you know, that, that thing that will, will support you and, uh, and, and help you. Then follow him. The angel said, follow me. Follow me. We're going out of the prison. We're going out of the prison. You remember Jesus said, we're going across the lake. He meant... What do you mean? We're going across the lake. When he said, follow me, follow me. It's dead simple, guys. Yeah? It's not, it's not, you know, these words aren't difficult. Follow me. Follow me out of the prison. I have no clue where I'm going. I have no clue. Abraham left his hometown. I have no clue where he was going. Follow me. Follow me. Your, your, your life plan? I don't know. Yeah? We all talk about that, don't we? I want to know what God's got for me, you know, and I want it all mapped out. Just follow. Just follow. That's what I've done. <laughs> Just follow. I, you know, I'm followed dead closely all the time, and I've wandered off a bit and things like that. But let's just follow. Let's just, you know, see where it leads. You know, I've had an exciting adventure. It's great. I love it. I love it. And, you know, I get, you get things along the way. You meet wonderful people like you. But, you know, let's, let's just follow. Follow. Read his word. Just follow him. Chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed, followed thee, isn't it? Is that the song? And he went to the house of Mary. When he realized what had happened... And when I realised what had happened, I, you know, I joined the church. I started to um, to get involved. He went to Mary, he went to the house of Mary, where all the all the disciples were. That was their church. That's where they met. You know, Mary, the, um, Mary's the brother, the mother of Mark's house, big house. They met there in a house. We meet here in a cafe. But they got, he, you know, he went back and he and he pursued his his life with them. Says he went to another place, but he went and did. You know, he he started to get involved. He he joined fellowship. He went back to that fellowship and said, "I want you know, I want to join this fellowship. I want to rejoin it. I want to be part of you." And again, my experience, I just got involved in stuff. It was great. I got involved in football and all sorts of things like that. It's wonderful. And it, you know, and you just just get involved. And I just say to you guys, just get involved. Just start to get involved. And start to do things. Start to, you know, in, just take up things and, and pursue things. And just, go, you know, join that fellowship. Join that, 
those people and start to start to engage with them. And that's it. It's easy, isn't it? Yeah? We can be set free. We can be set free. Yeah? We pray. There's a supernatural power around. And we are set free. We don't need to stay in that prison. Peter said, well, no, I'm staying here, mate. <laughs> it's nice and cool, cozy in here. We don't need to stay in that prison. We are set free. All the songs we've been singing about, we are free. We are a free people. God is good. Let's, let's start you know, embracing that. And he's good all the time. He's also supernatural all the time. And we just need to grip and grasp what he can do. We pray for the impossible. Let's let him do it. Yeah? Let's get out of that prison. Let's get free. Let's go and get involved and see what God does with us.